what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's blank. I'm Branham. It's Joe George behind the glass. Assistant to the regional manager, Queen B, wears a lots of hats today. He's, Joe, Joe's working three shows today. Well, you he's know why? He's working three shows today. Well, because it's getting close to the end of the year, and he's got to make up for all the hours that he missed, like taking off again last week. So now oh. he's doing a marathon. Oh. I took vacation last week. Joe's getting two PTO days for working two yeah. extra shows like, today. Two, two and a it's half. amazing. It's pretty Two good. Two and a half shows, because I only worked half of well, Connor and Beard. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe the first hour and a half. I took the second hour and a half. Okay. Pretty so. convenient, though, that he has to report to the assistant programming director mm-hmm. to, to handle all this stuff. Yep. So it's pretty easy to get things passed through. It's him. Uh, he is that uh-huh. guy. All the Thanksgiving good? Thanksgiving good? Yeah. Yeah? yeah. Very good. Okay, good. Now we, can, now we can get now past we can get the surface-level stuff yeah. and talk about the Houston Texans uh, losing a football game yesterday to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, my biggest look. I know there's a lot to get to. We're going to do that over the next three hours. It was the screw job in. It was the screw job in place in Houston yesterday. Um, the missed field goal decisions to go for the field goal, the trench play, all of that stuff. We'll get to all of that stuff. I don't know how you feel, Blankers. My biggest takeaway from watching that game, though, was look. The Texans very much could have won that game. It felt like a playoff atmosphere. I think highly of Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville is a good football team. I think they're well coached. And Trevor Lawrence might have played the game of his life yesterday. He was phenomenal. I thought he was fantastic yesterday, Trevor Lawrence was. But I saw two playoff teams on the football field yesterday. That felt like a playoff game. It wouldn't surprise me if we see this in the playoffs yet again, which would be awesome. Round three of Jacksonville versus Houston. The rubber game after the previous two games have been split by both teams. That game felt very playoff to me. And I felt like the Houston Texans, when I was watching that game, belonged. Like, they are a playoff caliber football team. And look, they, they've been feasting on an easy schedule all season long. We know that. Uh, the schedule is something that could cause them to make the playoffs, which would be fantastic. This is, I think, the first time I felt like they're a playoff roster. I felt like they could have made the playoffs based on their schedule. But watching that game yesterday made me feel like this is a playoff-worthy football team. Yeah, look, I, I watched... Feeling the same way. They belong, right? But I believe that they were a half step behind the Jaguars in a lot of ways. I feel like just some of the mistakes, just some of the ways you look at some of the shortcomings of some of the position groups, and you're like, you know what? They can play with just about anybody. I believe that they can play with just about anybody. But there's still a little ways to go for them to solidify like a division champ and a chance to win a Super Bowl. But I certainly believe that there's enough talent on this roster. And again, it all starts with the quarterback. But because of the quarterback, because of the coaching, because of the fact that we've seen this roster develop before our eyes, as well as the draft picks you know, come to fruition in a lot of ways, I believe that this team is in a place that it hasn't been for many, many years. And that is ready to say Texans and playoffs in the same sentence, in the same breath. And you saw that on display yesterday. Yeah, I didn't really think they were a beat slow. I thought that that game yesterday was a toss-up game that could have went either way. Uh, you had Jacksonville's kicker who was making a couple of 50 yards. Yes, he missed one. And you had the Houston Texans kicker missing two critical kicks at each of the respective halves that you lost a three-point game. Uh, we're going to get to the officiating in a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to be – I hate banging on officials. I think it's kind of you know, whatever. Like, you criticize every single play. A lot of times fans look at it from a very one-sided point of view. I do think the Houston Texans had a bad whistle yesterday. If you look at every call yesterday – and Jacksonville got a bad whistle at times too. Mm-hmm. And go look at the Derek Stingley interception. No doubt. I think that was Jalen Petrie holding while the ball was in the air. If you average it out, though, I do think the Texans had a bad whistle yesterday. I think it was favorable. Like, if they had the umpire auditor – like 
like we see in baseball mm-hmm. for the NFL, it would it would favor Jacksonville yesterday. No doubt. So you're maybe a call away. You're maybe a kick away from winning that game yesterday. Heck, you were a ball hitting the crossbar away from sending that game into overtime, and then who knows what happened. So I, I'm not going to say the Texans were, a, were like a beat off or they were a step behind because that very well could have been a Houston Texans win, and if that ball but, goes one foot further, it goes into overtime. But I can say the same thing, Jeremy, on the flip side, though, because Ridley should have caught the one ball in the corner of the end zone for a touchdown that was perfectly thrown. Sure. So, I mean, there but was one that it, they let get away. You can do that each and every way. Yeah. You, you can go look at the, well, if Tank Dell was set a little bit longer than the Texans sure. have a 65-yard play there. So you could, I mean, you could go tit for tat yesterday. But I'm getting, and maybe I'm more critical because of the team I'm pulling for, right? So I'm more critical of the Texans than I am a Jacksonville team that I only watch when they play the Texans for the most part. But I saw a team that suddenly were like a sieve on the offensive line that had Stroud running for his life the majority of the day, and we weren't used to seeing that. The running game obviously disappeared. They didn't go to it much, but when they did, it didn't get much for them. Um, and then from a, a from the, the standpoint of the defense overall, I felt like their defense was just a little bit better than what the Texans put on the field yesterday. And so, you know, overall, that maybe I was, I'm analyzing it from the standpoint of, because I, I expect so much of this Texans team from what we've seen already, that I saw a Jacksonville team that's been to the playoffs a year ago that, that has, is kind of like, uh, again, a tick ahead of the Texans in terms of the overall big picture too. But that doesn't mean they can't compete with the Jags on the field. And, and now that they're one and one, you're right. I mean, look, each each team comes away with a win. That was a dominant win early in the season when the Texans got Jacksonville. So on any given Sunday, these things can happen. It's just that from where this Texans team was for the last two weeks to see what happened in certain areas yesterday was a little bit. It was a little bit concerning to me. Well, it was also the. I mean, the best opponent that they've played. I mean, mm-hmm. you're stacking up Jacksonville against Arizona and Cincinnati. I mean, I guess Cincinnati was good then uh, because they still had Joe Burrow before he got hurt. Uh, so that's something you have to consider. I felt like I was watching two playoff teams mm-hmm. in that game yesterday. I, I I think Jacksonville is better than people give them credit for, uh, quite honestly. And I thought I, I saw some people banging on Trevor Lawrence in that game yesterday. I didn't he see had a massive game. I thought Trevor Lawrence was fantastic. Yeah. He threw for the second most yards mm-hmm. he's ever thrown for in his NFL career. That was the most yards per attempt he's ever thrown for in his NFL career. Look, you could there's a counterpoint to that, right? For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. If Trevor Lawrence is playing really, really well, it means the Houston Texans defense uh, secondary defensive line not putting any pressure on him, not playing well. So right. like both things are true whenever you talk about that. Uh, I thought he was phenomenal. And you go to look at the interception. Like I'm not putting that interception. No, that's on not about him at all. Like Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence is usually going to give you one. It's one of the knocks I have on Trevor Lawrence is that he throws he throws the picks. He also fumbles the football. He usually gives you one. The one that he gave the Texans yesterday was not on him. It, nope. hit, it hit. It would have hit Ingram right in the hands, but Petrie gave a little bit of a tug. I thought Lawrence was phenomenal. It's a timing route. And so the timing, regardless of whether you thought it was a penalty or not, the timing was disrupted by Petrie coming in. But he put the ball exactly where it was supposed to be. That wasn't on him. Just like the ball that that Ridley dropped was a perfectly thrown football that would have you know given him a massive amount of yards, another touchdown for the team. He didn't do anything to hurt his team or cause his team to lose. He looked really, really good every time they had the football. He used his legs when he had to, but his throws, and I've been critical of him since he entered the NFL, but he made every throw yesterday, and there's no denying the fact that he played his ass off yesterday for that team. I mean, a lot of the things when you're looking at the two teams, look, when ETN goes down and you look at it and say, they got some yards early, they were able to run the football, but 
to me, I think they can they can always run the football better. Their defense was a little bit surprising to me, but a lot of those high draft picks started to show up a little bit for them, uh, and they were active around the, all over the field, and they were getting home or at least getting close to getting home, putting pressure on Stroud, and I think that was a, a big difference in the game. But you're right. There are so many different ways that we can pick apart this game and say, Texas didn't get trounced. They didn't get their doors blown off. They were in the game the entire way and had a chance to win, and I know some are going to say they should have won, well, even if the field goal goes through, you're looking at overtime. But there were two pretty evenly matched football teams on the field yesterday, and you love that because you know the, the the Jaguars were supposed to be a couple years ahead of you with their coach and their number one pick as a quarterback and some of the money that they spent in free agency over the last two years. You're well behind them in terms of having to do all that, and yet you're playing on the field on a level playing field against them yesterday, and that's a good sign. I'm more of a, uh, a DVOA guy when it comes to like ranking offenses and defenses in the NFL. Uh, I was surprised to see the Jags have a top 10 defense in DVOA. Like that, that defense can get after you a little bit. Uh, they, I, and they got to C.J. Stroud, too. Mm-hmm. Like That was one thing I saw a lot of people were critical about on, on C.J. Stroud was that he held on to the ball too long. I'm very eager to watch the All-22 because I don't know. Like I, I don't. It's hard to tell from the broadcast like if he's holding on to the football too long. Uh, he took four sacks in the game yesterday. But look at Jacksonville's coverage was very good. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, they were getting to him a lot. They had some free rushers a lot as well. Like I'm very eager to, to go back and, and watch the film on it to see if C.J. Stroud actually was holding on to the football too long. Because other than the, the last third and long, uh, just behead, ahead of that long field goal attempt by Matt Amendola, like that's the only time I felt like he really had a check down, which he did have a check down of like three different check downs on that play. Yeah, there was a couple on that play, and there was a couple on a few others at, at where he didn't have to do what he did, where he took more of a long shot instead of either tucking it and running or going to a safety valve that was in front of him or slightly out of his his view uh, to, to one side or the other. But overall, when you look at it, the free rushers still, we talked about this a week ago, but the free rushers were bothering me a little bit. Uh, and the fact is, when you look at and in, you'll, you'll get a better look at it on the All-22, but when you look at it on almost every snap, he didn't have a clean pocket where he could just stand, set his feet, and and fire something off. He was sliding up. He was sliding over. He was moving because of the pressure that was coming predominantly up the middle in, in certain gaps. But he seemed to always be on the move or having to move the pocket in order to get the throws off, too. And that, after a certain amount of time, that catches up with you a little bit, too. You can't do everything you want to do. Yeah, I don't know if that's on Stroud, though. It is the oh, point. no, 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 Because no, like, no, no. a lot of that's people right. a lot of people were saying that oh, no. he needed to get rid of the football quicker. Nope. Like, I'm sitting here watching a lot of these pressures, and it's like, okay, if Stroud doesn't have immediate movement, he's going to get hammered. Right. And he did get hammered a couple of times. Uh, that, and again, like it's tough to tell where the receivers are running their routes on the broadcast view. Like you can't see, uh, you can't see what's open. You can't see Stroud go through progression. So that's something I'm I'm going to watch very closely to, well, to see me, if that's true clarify. or false. That's on the line. The only thing that I would well, say on Stroud is on decisions, especially in third downs when he was moving, there were a chance for you to just move the sticks and, and then you know look at that next hit or, or try to get that that chunk play. But it seemed like his eyes were more focused down the field, mm-hmm. and then he was still trying to get the long play when you can keep the drive alive by just getting the first down. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see all of that when it comes to, to Stroud. Now, you could you could nitpick uh, the offensive line a little bit and say, well, Stroud's got you know he's got line movements and stuff. He can tell the offensive line where to shift their protection, things like that. I, I don't know like the logistics of the Houston Texans offense and how much they're asking of Stroud to do that. I don't know how much they're asking of their center Michael Dieter to do that, but it's usually where it comes from. Uh, whenever you're like kind of shifting protection at the line at the snap, I saw fans are going to say, "Well, Howard left the game. That's why the line." No, Howard was not playing great at all yeah. before he left the game. So 
there's a, a big part of that, too, that has to be recognized, whether you go back and watch the game or not. The fact is, he wasn't playing well at all before he got hurt, so that wasn't the reason why the pressure was coming through and getting to C.J. Stroud, because it happened all game. I thought the offensive line got better after he left the game. I, uh, I'm i not going to be the jerk that says this. Uh, I'm, I'm not that guy. I'm not going to be the one that mentions this. Did Titus Howard fake an injury? I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying the same thing. Titus Howard, maybe take one for the team there. I'm not getting the job done. I'm getting abused. Let me uh, let me get out of this game. Let's give the rookie a little bit of work. Well, I saw people questioning the minute he went down, and then tried to back it up a little bit when they saw him leaving on a cart. I'm not going to say that either because the the big indication of what was going on is going to be when the injury report comes out because there's people already speculating he might be done for the year if he's done for the year then he definitely wasn't doing that yeah they said that he was walking fine after the game with like a little bit of a brace okay. uh D'Amico was asked That's about good. it yesterday he said that there's no update he was asked about it today he said that there's no update um I don't know. I'm not that good. Whoops. I guess I did just say that. Uh, 713-780-ESPN, the HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. We're on the Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. He's at Pac-Man Joel on Twitter. That clown over there is at Joe George Radio. I'm at Jeremy Branham. What were your takeaways from that Texans loss yesterday? A playoff. Are they out of sight for this team? Division title, out of sight for this team. 713-780-3776. It's the Beast on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Ocho, uh, Blanker stated my biggest concern. Somebody needs to get in Stroud's ear and tell him to not throw long. Low percentage passes on third and fourth uh, and short. It's a problem that needs to be nipped in the butt immediately. Um, yeah, I'm curious to go back and watch those. Well, I don't it, mind taking a shot on third and one. No, because it, but then you have, you have to have a set like mentality of if I take the shot on third that I'm definitely going to run and do what I need to do on fourth mm-hmm. uh, and vice versa. But I, I think the bigger thing is, is that on Stroud completely? Is that the play call that Bobby Slowick sent in? It seemed like, in, in, in especially, specifically in the second one, it seemed like he was buying time and he was out of options because everybody was so bunched uh, for the actual setup of the play that he just decided to take the long shot because that's all he could see out there as his last option. I hope that it's that that's the case and it wasn't the play call on both downs, but I can see how people are extremely critical real quickly going, well, that was what they were thinking on both downs. I, I, I have to believe that they were not thinking I'm throwing deep on both plays. I'm sure there was other routes there. Uh, he's not, I mean, he's not going to drop like four goes. You know what I mean? Right. He, there's other options available. Now, Stroud's also going to be the quarterback that takes the option that's available. It was there. Mm-hmm. Like, the, I mean, Schultz was there. Schultz had a step. If he makes a good throw, you're looking at a you know 50-yard play. All of a sudden, you're in, uh, in at least field goal range, and you're right there knocking on the door to strike. I, I don't hate aggressive football, so I'm not going to be as critical with Stroud taking third and one shots and fourth and one shots because I like the aggressive mindset. Like, I understand the other opinion where, like, hey, you get, all you need is a yard. You know, move the chains. I uh, also have a newsflash for you. The Texans have not been very good with third and fourth down and shorts. They have struggled in that area. And they didn't run the ball very well yesterday either. If you eliminate uh, what C.J. Stroud did on the ground, he had 47 yards. You eliminate the end around from Tank Dell, who had 12 yards. You had Singletary had six carries, 18 yards, and Damian Pierce had five carries, 14 yards. Those guys instilled the belief in you that you can convert on a third and fourth and one. Like They've been bad at that all season long. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing, Jeremy. And I think that when we talk about it, and to Joe's point, he's been on this all year long about the horrible play calling when they do. I like the aggressive nature to go for it. I just don't think that they have enough run pass option or variety in what they call. In well, they're being not effective. an RPO team. Like that, they're, they're not. They're they're not an RPO team. Well, but I'm saying whether you're an RPO team or not, 
You can put in, and in all the games that I was watching again yesterday, you can put in the quick, the quick out pass just to get two, three yards. I bet you that's there. Like or, go back and watch the play. I bet you it's there. Like I don't know for sure because I haven't seen the you know all twenty-two of it. But I bet you it's there. But it's the other thing is, away. is that we were saying for the last couple of weeks. Well, wait till Pierce gets back because the one thing we know he can do is hammer out one yard when you need it, and he after contact is great about you know keeping the ball moving forward. Mm-hmm. We didn't even see that the opportunity for him to try that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what I would like to see is uh, play action rollouts, and you saw the t- the Texans score a touchdown on that. Like the uh, I think it was third and goal when Stroud had the running touchdown. That was a play action. Fake the handoff. Beck fakes the dive because they've showed fullback dive all year long. Stroud's looking to throw, but it's not there. And then Stroud makes the decision to run. Not not an RPO, but made the decision to run. I want to see more of that. Like, roll out C.J. Stroud on a third and one. And if it, there's something there, cool. If there's a shot play there, cool. If you can just run for the first down, cool. Uh, so I, that's something I would like to see. A little bit more play action, a little more rollout to C.J. Stroud, who's obviously, you know, athletic enough. Uh, 713-780-3776. Big game yesterday for the division. Like, you can't kiss the division chances goodbye, although it seems like they're goodbye. Because not only are you two back, but you it looks like Jacksonville's going to have all the tiebreakers too. So you have to gain three games to jump Jacksonville with just six games left to play. That seems daunting. Texans are a game out of the playoffs. Actually, tied with the Colts with a game to play out of the playoffs. What, what do you think of the Texans' playoff chances as of right Look, now? Look, we know what the schedule is. Uh, I think that no matter what, you would be fooling yourself and you'd be foolish to think that this team doesn't have a still a very solid chance to get into the playoffs. Everything's right there in front of them. It's not like a daunting schedule where you're seeing, you know, Philadelphia and Kansas City and all these teams show up late in the year. You just handle your business, and I think you're going to be just fine. Maybe you're not going to get the division, and maybe that was your ch- your, your last chance to get the division. That does not mean that you cannot still control your own destiny, play the way you've been playing all season long, and solidify a playoff spot. I believe they're going to get in now. Yeah, I, I uh, ESPN has them like at a fifty percent chance. I think it's I think that's about right. This Sunday's big. This Sunday against Denver is big. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Joe looked like he had something to say. I, I think fifty percent is right on the money. You've got four games in front of you that are going to control what happens. The Browns game, the the Colts game. Broncos. Like Broncos is a, is a massive game this weekend. Mm-hmm. And then you have these easy games with Tennessee. Like You, you need to like go what, win three more games to probably secure a playoff spot. I would say that if they four. don't have a winning record, that that would be a disappointment. Oh, for if sure. they don't go four and two in these final six games with a favorable schedule, it's a disappointment. And they've earned that right for them to be disappointing. <laughs> they've earned the right to have a disappointing finish because they've shown to be a pretty good football team. Zero eight one zero Branham sounds like the guy that throws on fourth and twenty five and Madden every time I do. I, I throw a halfback screen and a wide receiver screen. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Although I haven't played that game in years. Let's go out to the HRMP listener line. Jack, you're in the hive with the bees. What's up, Jack? Yeah, I, I'd like to say well, a couple of things. Uh, one of the things that I noticed that uh, C.J. Stroud seems to be doing like uh, a seasoned quarterback is stepping up into the pocket. He really seems to have a feel for what's going on there. Uh, it, it looks really nice. The other thing is he was, he was running for his life. We got beat in the trenches yesterday. He was running for his life most of the day, and I think, it's amazing. One of the things that coming out of college that they said that he might not be that athletic. Well, he looked pretty doggone athletic to me yesterday. Appreciate it, Jack. 
Yeah, his his athleticism's always been understated. Like he showed it at some in the Georgia game, but you know, people are like, "Was that a is that just a one time deal? Is that a is that a one offer?" Like, if you go back to watch some of the Ohio State games, he didn't need the athleticism. That's what I was going to say. He, he didn't need to do that. You had so many weapons that were getting so open in a running game with an offensive line that could get whatever they needed to get. He didn't have to do a lot of the things that he's now required to do in the NFL, and it has nothing to do with his inability to do them. It's just when you're a powerhouse loaded like Ohio State. You do if it's working. You don't go away from it. You just keep doing what you need to do. The the other thing too is it is a last resort for him. He, he doesn't. Uh, it's not that he's. Scared I'm fine to with run. that too. Yeah, by the I, way. I am too. I, I like quarterbacks that can beat you from the pocket. Now, is it nice to have a quarterback who, whenever the pocket collapses, can get off script, off schedule, and still beat you that way? Absolutely, it's good. And Stroud's good enough to do that. Uh, running's his last resort. I'm totally fine with running being his last resort. Like he said uh, to Jack's point about the offensive line. Offensive line was poor. I thought it was better when Titus Howard left the game. He back to back plays before his injury was absolutely abused. The first one he got crushed on a speed rush, and then the second one just got bull rushed. Like just got dominated. The bull to rush bothered me the most because I mean you would think that he's just he's that big guy that's supposed to be able to just stand up and you get, get beat with a swim or get beat with some kind of a twist. That's one thing. But to get bull rushed and just get literally just sent backwards was annoying to me. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Uh, someone said that Derek Barnett has been claimed by the Houston Texans. Lopez said that. Uh, Joe told us earlier that was the uh, former first rounder. They got uh, waived by the Eagles. Uh, Eagles last week. This isn't great for the JJ Watt chances. Yeah, no, it's not. I don't think. I don't think this is fantastic news uh, for JJ Watt potentially being a Houston Texan. But Barnett. I mean, way from the best team in the NFC. Uh, I haven't watched tons of him. He hasn't played a whole lot of football. Like, he, he played eight games this year, played one game last year. The year before that, I mean, he played almost every game, had two sacks. This is probably a kick of the tires. Uh, see if he has anything left in the tank. But, hey, Texans need some defensive end help. I was surprised. Some of the names that I saw uh, on the football field yesterday was uh, was not fantastic. There was, like... You had the injury to uh, to Rankins, which wasn't very good. Uh, so you had to play a bunch of guys at defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. But Jerry Hughes didn't play a whole lot. There was a fella, and look, they act, this is the first time he's ever played for the Houston Texans. Kerry Hyder. Kerry Hyder played 42% of the defensive snaps. I saw you tweet that. Who's Kerry Hyder? Yeah. And why is he playing nearly half of the snaps for the Houston Texans on the defensive side of the football? We were on the Texans sideline where we were sitting, and I just kept seeing Will Anderson leave the field. I'm like, what's happening? Yeah, like... like I, you Why? need rotations there. Like, I get it. Like, you want you want them to go all out for 70% of the plays as opposed to taking plays off and playing every single snap. But this Kerry Hyder fella played 42% of the snaps. Jerry Hughes played 30% of the snaps. Jerry Hughes on one play I thought was like a sidewalk. He just kind of fell down and everybody ran over the top of his back on the way to finish the play. And I'm going, what's he doing out there? Yeah. Like, I mean, do something to effectively back up the guys or come in situationally when, you, when you're needed. But, yeah, they had a whole lot of disarray going on on the front seven yesterday. This is this is where the Texans really need the, the most improvement. Like, we spend a lot of time, do you sign Saquon Barkley? Do you go find one of these T. Higgins or Mike Evans? Quite honestly, where they need the most help is to make their two deep better. Because whenever you have a, a Kerry Hyder who gets called up for the first time and is playing 42% of the snaps, like, okay, the two deep's not great. I think Jerry Hughes has been pretty decent this year, but Jerry Hughes is an old guy, and he's playing 23 snaps for you. Kurt Heinisch played 41 snaps for you yesterday. Davis, who was playing in the XFL last year, played 34 snaps for you. Where can the Texans drastically get better on their two deep? 
their yeah. two deep roster, yeah. backups who are like legit NFL players as opposed to these fringe guys. And, and that's the part of like a, I mean, it's part of building. You can't do that all in one offseason. Well, but you're doing it now past the trade deadline. So at least for now, taking a flyer on a guy like Barnett, maybe that's a guy that at least has enough experience in the NFL that can provide on a short term basis with not as many reps as, you know, what might have been expected if he thought he was going to be a starter, where he can give you some situational spot play that can be better than what you have. That's why we, when we were talking about JJ, yeah, it started out a little tongue in cheek. Then we were kind of following some of the things that they were trying to get you to to bite on. But overall, if you got a guy that has NFL experience that was drafted at a high level, maybe this is change of scenery does him some good, and, and maybe in a short term he could do something for you. And they just need help in the secondary and the pass rush, like next next season. That's got to be priority one. They need more pass rushers, and they need secondary help because they have been getting exposed yeah. hard. Tevier Thomas was awful. And I know he got picked on by the rest. He also got picked on by Doug Peterson. I mean, the safety play. Jalen Petra, I thought, was much better. But you're playing this hyphenated safety when Jimmy Ward is out. And I don't even think Jimmy Ward's been very good. But Jimmy Ward's far better than DeAndre Houston Carson. And he's playing every single snap. Every, I thought we might see some Desmond King a little bit at safety. Desmond King played one play. Boy, it was yesterday. a hell of a play. It was a, play. It was a huge Ooh, play. Boy, was that It was big. a fantastic play. He played one play yesterday. I didn't realize that was his only was his play. Only I didn't snap. either. It was his own, like, that was one of the things when I looked at the, the snap count, too, that caught me off guard. I was like, I thought Desmond King was flying all over the field. No, he played one play. That's crazy. Now, it was a critical tackle, probably the play of the game defensively. He played one play. Like, they, they knew, that's, the to me, the biggest issue. It's not RB1. It's not wide receiver one. It's that you're running out guys for a significant amount of time that shouldn't be, like, Tavier Thomas, is he playing 52 snaps on a really good football team? Is Heinish playing 41 snaps on a really good football team is Davis playing 34 snaps in a really good football team is Hyder playing 32 snaps in a really no no that to me is where they make the highest was more just like a necessity after injury he's a good body yeah but he's big right I mean yeah yeah, he can he can stop some guys but yeah Thomas all year has been a liability and I felt bad for him to an extent yesterday because I really do felt like the the officials were really focused in on him but when you look at it I know we're going to get to it but when you look at it like you had to know coming in game planning too for the fact that your secondary hasn't been good. But the fact is, the referee crew coming in was one of the top crews in the league at calling P.I. And so you have to prepare for that as well, at least know that in the back of your mind as part of your prep work. And I don't think that they actually did. Yeah, it's like knowing the strike zone. Like yep. A guy has a bigger zone, you expand the zone. Or if he if he's a low zone, yep. then you know what to expect. 713-780-ESPN, the HRMP listener line. All right, let's get to the officiating. Which calls were the worst to you? 713-780-3776. You'll never believe how much Jacksonville is giving credit to the officials after the game. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. A lot of people are uh, criticizing the officials. I do think the Texans got a bad whistle yesterday. Was it the reason they lost the game? There's some, there's some things. There's some things. Uh, a bad whistle. Uh, there were some bad calls both ways. Like Thomas, did he, did he complete or did he uh, pass interfere on all these plays? Eh, probably not. Uh, did uh, Jalen Petrie interfere on the Stingley interception? Eh, good chance he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought the officials were bad. Uh, I do think the Texans got a bad whistle, and you'd be surprised. Like even the Jags were admitting how much the officials helped them. Here was Trevor Lawrence after the game with CBS talking about the refs. Reps. I mean, just such a good day, keeping them out of the end zone for the most part. Uh, they, they held strong when we needed them. Big flags. On that last drive to put them, you know, kind of out of field goal range. And, you know, when we when we had to punt on that third down when we didn't convert, you're putting the you're putting the ball, obviously, in or the game. In the officials' hands. 
We got a lot of faith in them. We had all the confidence in the world, and they came up big again. Can you believe Trevor Lawrence said that after the game, how honest and transparent Trevor Lawrence was afterwards, talking about how the ref had a big game. The big flags kept the Texans out of the end zone. You put the game in the officials' hands. Trevor Lawrence, quarterback of the Jags, admitting this. Something. He kept going on, Trevor Lawrence did, uh, in this interview. Is it answer to his second question. You think, okay, you know, first time, reactions are fresh. Maybe you say it, but you have a little bit of time to kind of collect your thoughts. He's not going to continue to say this, is he? It's huge. I and mean, this, this is a really good football team. They're playing, they're playing really well. They're, they're a hot team right now. Uh, they're playing great. and We, we knew he had the screw job. It's going to be a four-quarter fight to, to the end, and it was. You know, Even though we were going to get every flag. You know, in the second half, we knew it was going to be a fight, so... <laughs> You know, hats off to them. They're a great team, and the way they're playing, you know, we might end up seeing them again. I can't believe this. AI is amazing. NFL quarterback announced, like, saying this after the game, how they had the officials in their in their pocket. They're in bed with the officials. Okay, it's one thing for a player to say this. It's one thing for a player to say this fresh on the field, but then immediately afterwards, Doug Peter, the head coach, the head coach of the Jacksonville Jags, talking in the officials' locker room post game to the officials. I, I, I tell you this a lot, but but really, again, proud of you guys. Proud of you guys for the way you 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 screwed for sixty minutes. We talk about this all week, and, and it seems like it comes down to this, you know. And, and listen, that's a good football team, man. That's a really good football team. Okay, you come on the road, you take care of business. We said last night in that secret agreement, you're a lying, no good crew. You just come to work, man, and it doesn't matter, right? When the when the flags need to come out, you throw them. And, and, and look, it, it's what I, what I hear. It's 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 gritty, not pretty. It doesn't have. Hey. Hey, I can't believe this. I can't believe that the screw job was definitely in it in RG Stadium. You have the quarterback of the opposing team talking about how we put it in the officials' hands when we needed a big flag. We got a big flag. You had Doug Peterson speak. That was that was in the officials' locker room post game. CBS was in the officials' locker room post game, and Doug Peterson saying when the flags needed to come out, you throw them. I cannot believe what happened yesterday at NRG Stadium. Well, I mean, we should also have the audio from the actual broadcast team and Matt Ryan and Tiki Barber uh, and Andrew Canelon to, to talk about the fact that at a certain point, they actually recognized, and you know, the NFL frowns on this, but they actually recognized and called out the fact that there was a lot of questionable calls and they weren't going the Texans' way. Yeah. <laughs> on top of, you know, you guys with that. That wasn't us. That was Trevor Lawrence I was and saying, Doug you Peterson. gathered the audio. We gathered the audio, yeah. and then Joe cut it up. Uh, but there was zero manufacturing or anything. There was oh, zero no, editing. No. You should start to finish. You had Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback of the Jags, and you had Doug Peterson, the head coach of the Jags, in the officials' locker room post game, delivering a victory speech to the officials. I couldn't believe it. All right, what were the worst calls to you with Peterson and Lawrence having the officials in their bag? What stood out to you as some of the worst calls in this game yesterday? Well, the first one to me is going to be Tank's sideline toe tap because of the fact that it could have made made for an easier field goal. It could have it could have given you points. Uh, or an easier chance to get points. Um, and, and I thought that that was a play. And I understand there were still photos later, too, that had the actual two toes down with the ball possessed in his hands. But, again, this is something that we've gone back and talked all season about. If you're going to spend all this money on television broadcast rights and you're going to do all these things as you try to make the game better, there has to be another low angle or some other camera angle along the sidelines and where you need so that you can verify once and for all, yes, they were down, no, they were not. Don't rely on the fact that the little rubber pebbles floated up when, you know, toes got down. The shots we were getting were aerials. They were pretty far away. The zoom was making them more grainy. 
there has to be better ways to get the shots that you need because it, it's painful when you knew that it was really tight there, but you could it seemed like both toes were down. They didn't overrule it, and I get because of the because of the play the call they made on the field. They can't have any. They didn't feel like there was enough there to overturn it. But there has to be another way to get better camera angles because that's that turns out to be a big play in the game. I have a lot of issues with that play. Um, and look, we could go. We can go in order if it happened. When Tank Dell made the catch, the official in the back, yeah. the deep official, he called it a catch. He killed the play, stopped the clock, said it was a catch, was and got overturned by the dude who was the side judge who sprinted up the field. Now. The, the back judge was not, or it's not the back judge, but I forget the design title for that official, but the, the guy that originally called it and that's in the back corner on the sideline. He's not in great position. Like, he's outside of the sideline, outside of the white. The line judge is probably in a better spot, but for that guy to sprint up the field 30 yards and then overturn the call, and then now you go to video replay, you had a disagreement on the field between two officials. One called it a catch. He was overturned by the other one. Yet, you're telling me that that catch needs indisputable evidence to overturn it? I hate that slow-mo replay plays second fiddle to the officials. Slow-mo replay is far more accurate than officials. So I, I, I'm sick of the, well, it's got to be conclusive. It's got to be indisputable to change the call on the field. Why? I, I believe slow-mo replays with the cameras more than I believe 60-year-old white dudes who have no idea to keep up with the speed of play. So I thought that was ridiculous. And if you talk about how it affected the game, Houston Texans missed a field goal at the end of yeah. that possession. That, that to me, is a, that, that was, cost you I was points. To, it cost yeah. you points. Maybe not a touchdown, no. but you get, you get closer. You don't have Amendola kicking a 50-yard field goal, and Amendola stinks from 40 yards or greater. So you get closer, you have a chance to kick the field goal there at the end of the first half, and you lose a three-point game. Uh, that was one that stood out to me, uh, for sure. Well, and that's the one because we had talked about it during the week, and you brought it to my attention. I wasn't even aware of how bad he was from that distance. But then when he misses it, and then because of how it all went down, you put it in the back of your mind and go, okay, I hope that doesn't come up later, mm -hmm. but I think they should have at least come up with three there. The uh, the third and 15, this is the last play of the first quarter where you went from the 14-yard line to the 24-yard line. This was the 62-yard play. Uh, this is the one where Tank Dell was, uh, he wasn't set, or actually he was moving in motion when Nico Collins was not yet set. And we asked you, what were the worst calls in this game? 713-780-3776-2484. It's for sure the illegal shift. Uh, Tyreek gets the same head start a couple times a game, no call. I thought originally, because you couldn't see it on the broadcast, and the broadcast did a terrible job explaining it, I thought they called Tank for moving forward to the line of scrimmage mm -hmm. in motion. I've seen the, the big picture view of it now. That's not what was called. They called an illegal shift because Tang Dell started his shift before Nico Collins was set. And you can't do that. You can you can Tank can move before right. Nico's set, but he he also has to come set. Now if Tank waits two seconds, allows Nico to come fully set, and then he goes in motion, play plays out like it did, it would have been legal. That one was actually the correct call. But also very nitpicky because I saw it and, and it might have been another one where it's a point of emphasis. Because one of the other games I was watching, they made the exact same call. And, and, and it's like they, they went back several times and they couldn't find a reason why. But the, fish, the official in that case actually clarified two guys moving at the same time. Uh -huh. But that's possible because it happens across professional sports where officials get a memo. Hey, we're a point of emphasis this week is we're going to be focused on that. I just don't think normally they make that <sighs> they make that call that early. When the play hasn't even developed, you know, the snap hasn't even been made yet. Well, you have to, well, they called it after snap. It's I'm, I know when they called it, but I'm saying when it happens that early, when the guy hasn't even started his motion yet, they're normally, they're watching other things too, but they're normally not going to nitpick that play right there. I don't know. 
I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not because I don't see this called often. Quite frankly, that's, like this I is not a penalty that happens. I don't a think lot. that they really do it as long as, unless it's right at the snap and right as the right as the snap hits the quarterback's hands. They're focused on that. I don't know that they're really focused on that normally. Yeah, uh, I mean that's their job. That's a responsibility of well, the line but, judges. Like they're watching the receivers. They're seeing if they're on the line. They're seeing if everybody's set. They're seeing if there's forward movement towards the line of scrimmage when they're in motion. Uh, I, I I don't watch that specifically in a game enough to know if people are getting away with it. Uh, but that. By the letter of the law, nitpicky, absolutely. By the letter of the law, it was a penalty. Uh, the DeAndre Houston Carson PI, this was the third and goal from the five in the second quarter. They scored a touchdown instead of the field goal. I didn't see PI on that play. This is the one where Houston Carson came over, made the diving bat away. They would have kicked the field goal. But there. to your point, the network let you down a little bit because they said right at the peak of before the, the receiver made the cut to, to, or made like the turn move to go to the outside corner. They said that there was that's where the jam happened after the five yards, or they were trying to show they, they had no replay to show that. So all you could literally see was there was no contact. It didn't seem like there was any reason to make the the play the the penalty. Yeah, call. I didn't I didn't see anything there, and that cost you four points because they got a touchdown yeah. there as opposed to the field goal. Uh, you had them third and goal from the five with six minutes left to play in the in the third quarter. This was the Tavier Tom. He had back to back. I thought yep. the first one was pi because he you? was hold, yeah he was holding from down his behind? arm. He was holding his arm. Oh, that one like yeah. his arm. He couldn't get his arm up. And like that's, but that's jousting a lot of times yeah, because it's you, the inside it's, it's, to your inside point, arm. Yeah, to your point, it doesn't get called all the time, right? But it, to me, if you're a, if you're a corner, you're a safety, and you don't allow a receiver to bring his arm up to try sure. to attempt to catch that, to me, is pi. That's also where I brought up the point too. As a as a football team, if you know the officiating really concentrates sure. on that stuff, then your D backs have to know that going in. That even if that's something that you have a habit of doing, you have to not do that. They didn't adjust. You're right to that. Uh, third and goal from the five. This was the second Tavier Thomas pi on that series, mm-hmm. and this was third and goal from the five. This was the out route to Christian mm-hmm. Kirk. A lot of people said it was uncatchable. I don't see pi there, and I agree I didn't that see it's the uncatchable. PI. Was it in the end zone? No, I didn't think it was in the now, end zone either. That it doesn't matter because the ball would have been at the one either way. Right, right. But the explanations, like you guys don't know what you're doing, no. like you're clueless, like he, he, was, he wasn't in the end zone. He's trailing him, but when you look, he never grabs and pulls or anything. Yeah. So his hands maybe were extended, but there was no way that there was contact that disrupted that play enough to throw the penalty there. Yeah. The the Stevie Nelson one is the one where I really thought he got job too. I didn't see I didn't see a good look on that. Oh, because they had the one from the back angle too, where the receiver makes the driving cut and then he turns and curls. And Stevie Nelson never grabs or uses his hands at all. And they threw the flag there. And again, it's when these calls are made, too, on the goal line or the third downs. And you're going, wait a minute, timeout. What are we doing here that in the most critical times you're getting nitpicky? That was, uh, they made, like, the Texans got penalized six times. It wasn't insane, but it was the critical moments. Like, this was another one of those critical moments. Probably not P.I., and instead they get a touchdown and a two-point conversion when they might have settled for three. Maybe they go for it, but I think at that point they kicked the field goal. Uh, I thought that was a brutal call. I also thought Jalen Petrie interfered on the Derek Stingley interception. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, whether I, whether it's P.I. or holding, he came through, there were two receivers there, and his one arm literally disrupts the, the, the pattern and, and holds back uh, the, the tight end mm-hmm. because of the fact that he was caught in between and he was trying to come back. And that's why it was so egregious. On Even when you see it on video, you're like, well, that's a timing route that got completely disrupted by Petrie. Texas would go down and score on that, but there's like no idea how to quantify the amount of points that were lost there because Texas would have eventually got the ball back on their next series. But where would the ball have been? That was a first down play. How far does that Jacksonville drive continue? So it probably cost Jacksonville points there. I don't know how much. Texans had two PIs that cost them the difference between a field goal and a touchdown 
twice because penalties in the end zone on third down and goal. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. One guy's asking uh, the flag was called late. No, if you go back and watch it, the flag was caught immediately after the snap. CBS was late with their graphic. Uh, 713-780-3776. Let's hand out NFL game balls when we come back. Football game balls, I mean. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey guys, for the break, I want to tell you about Apollo Men's Health. Apollo Men's Health doing great things on a daily basis, and they're here to help you. It, you know, as you get older in life, from the boardroom to the weight room to the bedroom, you have problems you've never experienced before, and, and part of it is you just figure, well, that's part of getting older, and I'm done, and I'm not going to be the same kind of person. That's not true. At Apollo Men's Health, Every single day, they're focused on getting you back to where you once were and feeling better than you've ever felt before. It's absolutely fantastic. For both men and women, it starts with getting more energy in your life on a daily basis. It can be as simple as a B12 shot, and it could also go all the way to all the different ways they have hormone therapy. And whether you administer it yourself or they do it for you at the clinic, you get feeling better by having more energy on a daily basis. You want to lose weight? They have FDA-approved semi-glutide that can have you losing up to six pounds every week without ever going to the gym, hitting a treadmill, or lifting any weights. And if you do want to get in the gym and start lifting weights and working out more, they have all the different ways they can assist there as well, from getting on the full body composition analysis and doing that every so often to chart your progress so you know when your body fat goes down and your muscle mass goes up and the important numbers start really making sense, to the fact that you can recover quicker with HGH peptide therapy. They are here to help you, but you have to help yourself by getting in there, setting up an appointment, let them know what's bothering you. Go to ApolloMH.com right now. Check out the website. If you see some things and services that you think could help you, set the appointment right there online. Most major insurance accepted, discounts for military personnel and first responders. Mention my name, Joel Blank, free body comp that I mentioned on your first visit or a free B12 shot, and then let the process go from there. Be honest. Tell them where you're lacking. They'll put you on a program that works and get you the results you need. They're good people doing great things. They're the good people at Apollo Men's Health. All right, he's blank. I'm Bradham. Let's get to our NFL, our football game balls, I mean. 713-780-3776. Someone said they were mad at the horse collar penalty. Um, That wasn't a horse collar penalty. He had him by the horse collar but didn't bring him down. Talking about the sack on Stroud Lake. Oh, right, For it right, to right. be a horse collar penalty, you have to actually tackle him. So he had him in the grass, but it's not a penalty until he's tackled that way. Because there was one in the Bills game that was questioned, but it, to your point... Allen's jersey was completely stretched out, and it was collar, and it was used in making the tackle. Brought him down, and they didn't, but they didn't call it. Yeah, it's got to be. You have to make the tackle for to be a horse collar tackle, like it's in the name. All right, let's give out some NFL game balls. Are you giving a game ball to for first blankers? Well, you guys know that I, I can, I can eat crow if 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 and when it's appropriate. I will eat crow for one week, and That's I it? will show some love to Jordan Love. Jordan Love, for the first time all season, and I was able to watch the whole game and stomach it, um, played pretty damn good football. Jordan Love moved the football. He made the the, the plays that he needed to make. Um, Didn't make mistakes that hurt them. Their defense was big, too, but I'll give Jordan Love a game ball because he played really well. They're going to make the playoffs. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. You bite your your tongue. Shut your mouth. They're going to make the playoffs. I'm proud they of you for watching chance. the uh, full game there. I'm proud of it. It's hard, man. Seriously. <laughs> it Early watch. in the season, they were, they're, they've been a tough team to watch. Did Jordan Love save Thanksgiving in the blank household? No, because I wanted him to lose because I want a better quarterback. So yeah. it pissed me off, but I have to give him his flowers. They are ruining that. They are ruining that. All right, my game ball. We said it's a football game ball, not an NFL game ball. The Houston Dynamo beat it, winning the yesterday 1 0. Curls it in. Up they go. It's 1 0. What a goal! The header. Fantastic header. It's Franco Escobar. He dives into the arms of Hector Herrera. And 
the Houston Dynamo have done it off a corner. It is 1-0. Sorry, Glenn, for stepping on your say, call. Glenn had a pretty damn good call on the header. But I'm not your color guy, so I don't need to worry about stepping on your call or not. Congratulations, Houston Dynamo going to the Western Conference Finals. You can listen to the Western Conference Finals right here on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Great call, Glenn. Congratulations to the Dynamo. All right, what do you go? What do you got here, Joe George? Jalen Hurts, MVP. Jalen Hurts. Yes, he, he, he is. That the the way that game ended yesterday, it's everything you want in, in the most valuable player in the NFL. He stepped up when you need it the most. Jalen Hurts is absolutely incredible. He's so good he, he when he wants insane. to, or when they when they need him to, and he still runs. He's so tough to bring down. Like he just goes right between the tackles, and he's better than most running backs at just gashing you. And then when he throws the football, and the fact that Allen had the game all in his hands and made the, I think that's on Allen completely. That play that he missed the throw. You could tell with the the way that Davis, and then uh, when he went over to the sidelines with Diggs, you could tell that Allen. They were talking about the fact Allen missed that throw. Yeah, yeah, Allen. He also threw pick late. That's mm. your guy. Yeah, he played actually. He played pretty pretty well yesterday. He, did. he played really well, but Big they lost. Flopped. But they lost. He also threw a pick in the fourth quarter. Saying, yeah, Jalen Hurts is on another level. Pretty good. He's Pretty everything good we wanted Cam Newton to be, and more. That's not fair. Cam Newton won an Cam MVP. He had an MVP. Lost one game, one but year. he couldn't. Lost he couldn't throw. He I'll couldn't say, throw like Hurts can throw. I'll yeah. say this: and Jalen did. He didn't come into the league throwing the ball that well. He has improved. His, his I didn't think he had touch. He's turned into a pretty damn passer, good passer too, which surprised me. What's your uh, next game ball? Dakota Prescott. Okay. I mean, yeah, it turned into a cakewalk, but when you throw for 331 and four TDs, you're doing your job. Yeah, he uh, he's in that MVP race, too. Like, yeah. I, I think he's pretty heavily behind Jalen Hurts, if I had to guess. Um, but he was phenomenal in that uh, in that game against the Commanders. Four touchdowns to four different guys. Impressive. 330 yards in that game as well. Uh, Dak was really, really good. Cowboys playing some pretty good football. Don't think they're quite think the they're same still, tier as the yeah. Eagles and the Niners. Uh, I'll give uh, y'all stole my top three, which I mean, what rightfully so they should be there. Christian McCaffrey, 114 yards, two touchdowns, the win over Seattle. I love watching that offense play football, and you know, I watch Christian McCaffrey in that San Francisco offense, and I'm like, man, it'd be really nice to have a really good running back for Bobby. That's why when Joe said the priority in the off season was the the linebackers and the defensive backs and the defense, I'm going, I could use a running back that could really fit this system. Yeah. I'm kind of torn on it, though, because I would love to spend money just, like, all on defense. And then you see some other guys who have some, like, like uh, Kyron Williams had a really good week. He's on here. Uh, he had over 200 total yards, two touchdowns. He's a fifth-round rookie. Like, you can find really good running backs In the that fit your system, too. So, like, do you want to spend top dollar on free agent running back, or do you want to spend all that money, like, on defense and then draft some skill guys that can help out the offense? I mean, I would I'm torn. Love, I'm torn. I would love Blake Corum here. Michigan, I think, and I think he, I think he'll be the first running back taken. Yeah, that might be too early for where the Texans. So, like, because I, do. I don't think he's a first rounder though. Can he? Uh, how is he with the hands and catching out of the backfield? I think he's I haven't pretty watched good. him enough. I think he's pretty good. Yeah, I want a guy who's dynamic that can catch the ball out of the backfield, like an Eckler type. Speaking of guys that can catch the ball out of the backfield, yeah. Bijan Robinson, game ball. Thankfully, the Falcons finally figured out how to use this guy. But ninety-one rushing yards, touchdown, receiving touchdown this weekend. They're going to win that division. They might. They, they might, might. They might win it's a it under really five. Bad, bad, bad division. They might win it under five hundred, but they're yeah. going to win the division. I, I don't expect you guys to have seen it. Did you? But did you happen to see the one dime that Ritter threw between to to to, to London, where it, it literally was between two slanted defenders, and it was a timing route that he never should have thrown it. 
and he ended up completing it. And I'm like, oh, that's why fans in Atlanta say that you see promise sometimes with Desmond Ritter. He can make some good throws, and then he can completely pee down his leg. Yeah, I have a theory, though, that like any NFL quarterback is capable of making good throws every now and then. Probably true. I mean, they're the top, let's see, 32, 64, 96. They're, every single quarterback in the NFL is a top 100 quarterback in the entire world. A top 100 quarterback in the entire world can make good throws every now and then. The best quarterbacks in the world never make bad throws. Like it's you avoid bogey. Like every golfer can make a birdie. You go 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 avoid bogey whenever you drive it into the trees. That's what makes golfers or what makes golfers and footballers great. Um, I'm gonna give a game ball. Actually, it's your turn, isn't it? Mm, go ahead, Raheem Mostert. This is the guy in the Miami offense that I think we don't spend enough time talking about. Tyreek Hill, obviously give him his flowers. Same thing with Waddle. Same thing with Tua. We spend more time talking about Devon Achan, whatever his name is this week. Raheem Mostert, the best running back in that room. Two touchdowns. Look, I know the Jets are lousy, but Mostert is having a very good year for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, no doubt about it. And that's why you always have that outside chance. Miami could do some damage getting into the playoffs because offensively they're just hyper talented their defense just has been a massive disappointment but when you got the mad scientist calling plays and you've got all those weapons to work with they can score with anybody in the league and they've shown it they put a 70 burger on somebody this year they've got all the weapons and they've got a two-headed monster in the running back room that's really really above average in the nfl he's uh have y'all watched the in-season hard knocks not yet i think episode two is tomorrow my wife won't let me watch it um why she's, she's not a fan of hard knocks Really? Yeah, she'd let me watch it, but she doesn't want to watch it as we go to sleep, which is fair. I can understand her not wanting to watch Hard Knocks as we fall asleep. But um, I, I really want to because I'm a huge fan of Mike McDaniel. He might be my favorite character in the NFL. You see the way he walked in the stadium yesterday? With the shoes? You know, no, no. Well, no, no, not even the shoes. You know how the players, and they always that's the big thing now to get the, the swag and what they're wearing? Yeah. He comes in with the headphones, with the sunglasses, <laughs> with the, like, the, the fur-lined sweatshirt hoodie and and all the the drip going and everybody's just like is that a player nope that's coach mike walking in with the team i love that guy that guy's awesome gary kubi i gave him a start how can you not give kyron williams a a game ball i mean it's i mean when you look at the fact that just from a running back position 16 for 143 average nine yards a carry but when you look at the receiving yards on top of that he had two touchdowns and 61 yards receiving Mm -hmm. it's a pretty damn good football game. he had over 200 total yards and he did it straight off the ir he was on the IR. They just activated him. This was his first game back, and he goes for over 200 total yards and two touchdowns. Average 10 yards of reception, nine yards of carry, two touchdowns, and you're right, over 200 yards of total offense. That's freaking good. Yeah, really nice. 713-780-3776. This guy says the game ball to Johnny Granado's undefeated rookie nephew, Tommy DeVito. That's Danny DeVito to you. But we'll give we'll he lost Danny his first DeVito. year. I mean, his first game against Dallas. But was it a start? Yeah, he started against Dallas. Oh, I thought he might have come on. I don't know. I don't keep up with the football giants. All right, 713-780-3776. What was your number one issue with the Texans' loss yesterday? 713-780-3776. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN.